Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. In this week's episode of Holistic Health Chats, I am speaking with Fran Dargaville. Fran is a gut health nutritionist who specializes in issues such as IBS, IBD, reflux, gastritis, and many more. In this week's chat, Fran and I unpack reflux, heartburn, the frequent and long-term use of PPIs or antacids, along with the issues surrounding this. And of course, we touch on how to get started in addressing the root cause of your reflux or heartburn. Before we dive into this week's episode, if you are currently wanting to get personalized advice to support you with your nutrition or hormones, the best place to start is booking in a complimentary consultation. In this 15-minute consultation, we will discuss your current health goals or challenges, what you can expect from consultations, the likely time frame for us to achieve these goals, and we also cover any questions that you may have. If you're happy to go ahead at the end of that 15-minute consultation, we will find a time for your initial consultation, but equally, if you need a little time to think, that's okay too. To book in a complimentary consultation, all you need to do is head to selendouglas.com forward slash links and navigate to the book now section, or you can also find this links list link in the show notes. I hope to meet you soon. Hi, Fran, and welcome to the show. Hi, Selene. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today. So we haven't spoken on the show before about reflux or from PPIs or heartburn, but that's today's topic. But before we get into it, I'd love if you could share with the listeners a bit about who you are, how you came to do what you do and what your sort of business specializes in. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Fran Dargaville and I'm a functional nutritionist and I specialize in gut health and I'm super passionate about it. I think so many people are struggling with gut symptoms, digestive symptoms or other gut related issues. And I had my own health journey, as I know so many of us have, you know, who are in this world as health practitioners And I had chronic fatigue, I had reflux and IBS myself and many other challenges linked to that. So I really went through my own journey of healing myself, recovering my own health through nutrition and functional lab testing and all of these other tools that we have available to us. And now I'm really excited to be able to, you know, provide a high level of of care to people and really support them to heal their own guts, I suppose, and overcome so many of these frustrating gut-related symptoms. Yes. I mean, I think gut's such a good thing to specialize in as well, because I mean, we know that the, the saying is like all disease starts in the gut, but all health does too. And I think nearly all health conditions sort of stem back there ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. 
couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. And so common as well for us as health practitioners to kind of specialize in something that we struggled with for so long. I think it gives us that extra level of ability to kind of empathize with our clients and, and understand what they're going through, like um, on that deeper level, not just sort of from a symptom perspective, but also kind of like mentally, psychologically, what it, how difficult like certain gut protocols can be, right? Like if you've been through that yourself, you have that yeah, extra level of understanding for them. A hundred percent. And I also just find that after people have been to lots of different doctors and specialists and don't really get listened to, they don't feel like (laughs) they don't feel heard at all. Then when they come to, you know, someone like you or me, it's a very different experience to them, you know, to someone who understands what they've been through and has Mm. that empathy, as you mentioned as well. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's a huge difference, difference model of care for sure. So I'd love if we could just start out with a bit of a definition, I suppose, around reflux and heartburn for anyone that hasn't perhaps experienced it or felt it before or someone that has but maybe hasn't identified that that's actually what's going on for them. Yeah, absolutely. So most people are probably familiar with the main sort of manifestation of reflux, which typically would be you know, some sort of acid for some reason spilling up into their esophagus and that manifests as feelings of indigestion or burning or discomfort. And that could be, you know, in the esophagus, in that upper chest sort of region. It could be in the throat. That's kind of the main sort of way that people experience it. But there are many other ways that that can manifest as well. There can be silent reflux. So you could have this exact same thing going on, but you're not even aware of it. So that could that could be manifesting as a post-nasal drip. It could be that you constantly have a sore or dry feeling throat. Uh, it could be having, you know, a, a bit of a cough for some reason and you can't just, you just can't figure out why that is. So as I sort of mentioned, there are different manifestations of this and most people will experience the more traditional feelings of indigestion, discomfort in the upper chest or burning. And there are also some people that will experience more of that silent reflux. And if they're not aware, it can take some time to actually identify what that actually is. And I'm sure some people don't. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly right. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of doctors miss it and, you know, people might just think that they have perhaps food sensitivities, or it's just a normal thing to be clearing their throat all the time. And to have that constant, you know, inflammation and irritation of the esophagus and the throat over time can really cause damage. So it is definitely important to be able to identify that ASAP as well. Yeah, there's some really long-term, like severe long-term consequences of sort of reflux going on where you're not actually doing anything about it. Like eventually it can even lead to sort of esophageal cancer and things like that, which is a big issue. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think it is one of those issues, you know, whether it's a silent reflux or reflux in general, that is downplayed a lot. I think Mm -hmm. just the way we think with our sort of model of health, you know, perhaps not mine and your model of health, but the way we've we've grown up, it's, you know, oh, I've got this heartburn. I'm just going to go and get some over-the-counter medication and that'll sort me out. And people will do that for years or maybe even decades without actually addressing what's going on. And as you just mentioned, there can be some really serious adverse consequences, mm-hmm. whether it is uh, you know, something like a soft 
esophageal cancer or just the consequences of having low stomach acid, mm-hmm. developing lots of food sensitivities, uh, not being able to digest protein properly and, you know, obviously not being able to digest food properly and, you know, perhaps developing nutritional deficiencies as well. So there are so many diverse consequences that we can, you know, experience from, you know, what we think of as, as reflux, which most people think of as a fairly, you know, mild or, or benign thing, but that can be huge for people and it can really lay a foundation for, you know, adverse health on a whole. Yeah, definitely. And you've touched on something which I think we'll dive into further, which is like the low stomach acid conversation being a huge part unknowingly of reflux. But let's get talk about like what are some of those common causes of reflux or root causes, as we would say? Yeah, root causes of reflux. This can be something as simple as just eating really quickly all the time, not chewing food properly, eating in a stressed out state, constantly eating on the go. Those things, again, they might seem like nothing. They might seem like not a big deal at all, but that alone can be a root cause for reflux. Mm -hmm. It could be chronic stress on a whole. And because you're in that chronically stressed state, your digestive system is not functioning optimally. Um, So there's some kind of you know, common things. There's also certain medications that impact stomach acid production, which, you know, can therefore lead to reflux and heartburn. And also things like uh, nutritional deficiencies, for example, uh, you know, we need zinc to make mm-hmm. stomach acid. So if we, we aren't getting enough zinc from our food, we're not able to digest that. We may not be producing enough, enough stomach acid. Mm-hmm. And then also aging. So mm-hmm. stomach acid production naturally declines with age, which doesn't mean that you just have to put up with reflux and heartburn as you get older. There are definitely things that you can do about it, but that can be a big trigger for some people. Yeah. And what about things like, you know, SIBO and those sort of bacterial overgrowth and that sort of thing and how they can maybe contribute to increased pressure and fermentation? Does that play a part? Yeah, absolutely. So I do believe that in most cases, that probably the low stomach acid came first and, you know, that stomach acid is when we're supposed to have this acidic environment in the stomach Mm. that keeps pathogens in check essentially. So uh, when we don't have that for the reasons that I just mentioned, that's when, you know, I believe things like uh, SIBO and other pathogens can get out of hand basically. Mm. And then we have those issues, but of course, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation yeah. for all of these things. So yeah, absolutely. It can be yeah, pressure for, for various reasons for fermentation. Of course, that could be yeah. a trigger as well, but yeah, definitely a bit of a chicken and egg scenario there. Yeah. I was talking to another practitioner last week and we were talking about how you always have to just keep saying, but why, like, but why if there's, you know, if there's SIBO present, but why is low stomach acid, but why? And ultimately that's where you're like trying to find the thing that came first, I suppose, and look at correcting that. And I think in this day and age, like, we are all on the go really, really quickly. And it is often those those lifestyle factors that are that sound kind of like almost softer interventions. I would say like if you were to, I don't know, sit down with a client who has, you know, SIBO and, and reflux and all these symptoms and you're telling them the kind of like the at the end of the day, the root cause is because you're stressed off your face and you inhale your food every day and then like sit in front of your computer like they're going to look at you like what do you mean like 
that can't be it. Give me the supplements. Give me the yeah, supplements. Give me the supplements. <laughs> and so, yeah, it is just really understanding that, like, ultimately those lifestyle foundations or those foundational pieces are often the things, unfortunately, that create the issue in the first place. And and it is those really unsexy changes that make a really big difference. <laughs> That's exactly right. And just because something is simple doesn't mean it's Mm. easy. And I know a lot of people are very tempted to just go and take all the supplements. They could spend, you know, a thousand dollars on doing a SIBO protocol and do an extremely restrictive diet for, you know, 12 weeks or something, or perhaps they could do, you know, a much more sort of mild version of that and be very conscious at meal times, focus on eating in a relaxed state, yeah. chewing really thoroughly, and that could have a bigger impact. But it's very challenging to actually change those things. To actually it's much easier to take your mindfully. supplement than it is to change your behavior. For a lot of people, it is. That's exactly mm. right. But that is what is going to have a lifelong impact if you can, mm. you know, fundamentally change these things about, you know what you're eating, how you're eating, your stress levels and, and all of that. Uh, it's it's challenging, but it can have a huge impact and it will mean that you're far less inclined to have to, you know, I suppose these people that have jumped around from practitioner to practitioner, from protocol to protocol, if you address these foundational pieces, everything you're going, you do is going to be much more effective. Yeah, definitely. And at the end of the day, like something like relaxing when you sit down to eat your food and chewing your food really well instead of gulping down these large bites of food like it's only going to serve you for the better right it's never going to have any kind of like it's free yes exactly (laughs) it's free and what about like conventionally so say a client has reflux or heartburn and then they're going to see their gp what's normally recommended to them Yeah, absolutely. So the two main things that are recommended to people is proton pump inhibitors and antacids as well. Generally speaking, if you're in early stages of experiencing this, you might have just even gone to a pharmacy and and got some antacids. So the antacids basically neutralize the stomach acid. And, you know, that's kind of what you want when you are experiencing the burning, you know, obviously it's not actually addressing what's Mm -hmm. fundamentally going on and the root cause, but in that moment, that is, you know, that is a good thing to obviously, you know, minimize any sort of damage to the esophagus. And then, as I mentioned, there's a proton pump inhibitors as well. So instead of just neutralizing the stomach acid, they actually just stop that stomach acid production. Mm -hmm. And these things can be necessary. And with proton pump inhibitors, they are they're designed to be taken only for a very short time. So if you are recommended something like proton pump inhibitors for two or or four weeks, that may be necessary if you have Mm -hmm. a lot of irritation and inflammation going on in the the esophagus. It's not with things like medication, for example, it's it's not always black and white. The problem that I have and and that I see all the time, and I'm, I'm sure you see as well, is that it's not just two to four weeks that these people are on proton pump inhibitors. They end up on this medication for years, even even Mm. decades I've seen, and there is no solution for people to ever come off them. And there are huge adverse consequences for this. And also what I do see as well, I mentioned that in some cases it's, it's necessary to take 
proton pump inhibitors for a short period of time. But even when these people go on the proton pump inhibitors for, for two to four weeks, they're generally just told by their practitioner to then just stop them. And they yeah. can't they can't do that because as soon as they stop them, they experience the burning again. So at no point are they actually addressing, addressing the root cause or, you know, soothing and, and nourishing the lining of the gut so that they are able to come off those proton pump inhibitors. So there's a lot of challenges in that area. It's not exactly black and white, but in the long term, the antacids and the, the proton pump inhibitors are just not the answer. Yeah, and the whole premise, I suppose, of them being prescribed in the first place is that they're reducing stomach acid. And like what we're saying is that it's actually, in most cases, the opposite issue, that there's already an issue with low stomach acid. And so you're kind of adding fuel to the fire. But from a conventional perspective, all of the strategies that you look at are around reducing acidity. It's like reducing the acidity of the foods that you're eating, which as you said, may be required in that kind of like short-term symptom management phase. But at the end of the day, we're not solving the issue and we're actually just making it worse. And let's talk about like the, what are the risks, I suppose, and and long-term side effects, say if someone that's on um, PPIs or antacids for, you know, years and years, what sorts of things might they be faced with? Yeah, look, I think there are so many potential consequences that we really just aren't even aware Mm. of. But the main things that I see in my clients is that people, for example, are no longer able to tolerate or digest meat or protein really because we know that stomach acid is required for proper protein digestion. And then often these people will end up steering clear of of that altogether. And that can lead to, you know, all sorts of nutritional deficiencies, uh, you know, low iron, lack of B vitamins, all that sort of stuff. And also just then they struggle to even get enough protein, which can just have consequences for blood sugar regulation, you know, retaining muscle. There's just, that's just an endless rabbit hole Mm. to go into. So that's some sort of common things. And then also just poor digestion in general. So not actually being able to digest their food properly and get nutrients from, from other foods in general. And then also without having that, uh, you know, stomach acid, which is really that, that thing that keeps the pathogens in check in the gut means they can just overgrow. So you're much more susceptible to things like SIBO or candida overgrowth or, uh, you know, any sort of other pathogenic infection, essentially. Mm. So they're really the, the main things that I see in clients. I don't think we really have enough research into this area to be fully aware of, of what's possible, but I think there are just, you know, endless potential consequences. Yeah, I think that, I mean, research is always going to be limited in certain areas, but I think the other problem we face is like how expensive it is to actually produce good quality research. And at the end of the day, like the pharmaceutical companies making antacids aren't going to be funding studies to try and look at what complications are present for long-term use. Um, The other thing I think that's problematic is that, you know, you can get over-the-counter antacids and things nowadays as well. So it might not even be the recommendation of, say, a GP 
that you're taking that long-term. Like they may well say, this is a short-term thing. You're taking it for two to six weeks, what have you. They might provide some really sound advice on that. But at the end of the day, if that person, as you said, stops taking it after that period, gets that recurrence of symptoms that, you know, they might just look at um, what over-the-counter options are available. And I often think from like a brain health point of view, long-term, as you were mentioning earlier, like we know stomach acid declines with age. So typically some, you know, some young people are taking antacids and PPIs, but it's often older people, people perhaps over 40, over 50 in their sixties that, that, that stomach acid is looking at declining. They're taking antacids. And then, you know, I feel like what's then happening to their brain long-term if they're not Mm. able to access those nutrients, things like B12, Mm. um, things like iron, things like zinc. Mm. Amino acids. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's the nutrient deficiencies, but we can never underestimate sort of what that's actually causing in the body because I think our knowledge, although it has expanded over recent years as to what these nutrients do for us, it, it is still limited. Like there's so much we don't know. That's exactly, exactly right. And we want to be eating this nutrient-dense whole foods diet as much as we possibly can, but then we also want to make sure that we're actually able to digest the food that we're eating and actually utilize those nutrients. And that's why this stomach acid and moving away from the heartburn and reflux is so incredibly important. Mm. Is there, I'm curious, a reason why like some people would experience silent reflux versus like having those really key obvious symptoms of it? I actually don't know about that. That is a really good question. I think, yeah, I don't have any concrete reason for that. I know with things like IBS, for example, Mm. that in in some cases it's believed that it is just having more sensation in, you know, Mm. sort of increased, I guess, like nerve sensation of nerves throughout the digestive tract that leads to that experience of IBS. So I don't know whether it's sort of the opposite thing, but Mm. I really don't have a good answer for that. No, I I was just curious about, I only just thought of that, but we always know with certain things, like people will express symptoms, of course, really differently. Like some people will have really overt gut symptoms and then other people might end up with really bad eczema or psoriasis Mm. or rosacea or something like that. But they, they gut on questioning sounds you know, quite textbook and fine. So yeah, it's just always interesting, I suppose, if there's any, any changes there. And then, so say a client is coming to you with reflux and heartburn, what sort of root cause solutions, what options, what things are we looking at as potential causes there, which you've obviously gone through some of those, but sort of how do you start to unpack that with someone? Yeah. So definitely initially looking first at what someone's eating and how they're eating. So what they're eating, as I mentioned, you know, whole foods as much as possible. I don't gen- generally jump into any sort of like crazy diets or anything, just focus on incorporating more easy to digest whole foods. You know, maybe it's more like cooked cooked veggies, um, you know, quality protein, healthy fats, all of that good stuff. And then minimizing things initially that could potentially be driving the reflux. And a lot of people are quite aware of of Mm. those sort of triggers, whether it's things like alcohol or coffee or spicy foods, just initially minimizing those things while you work on all of this can be really, really helpful. So that's sort of where I'd start in terms of, you know, the food 
side of things. And then at the same time, focusing on, on how someone is eating. So definitely taking some deep breaths, getting into a relaxed state before eating, chewing food really thoroughly, just aiming to eat mindfully. As we've discussed, that's easier said than done, but with this issue, it can make a huge impact. So those things are super important. Plus stress management on a whole, I do find that the people who tend to experience this are on the go, rushing, mm. not, you know, not able to take that time or they haven't been taking that time to sit down and chew their food thoroughly. So doing things to help just calm their nervous system, whether that's relaxing breathing exercises or tapping or those kind of things to just help help calm them down a little bit can be really helpful as well. Mm. So there's some really key pieces. And then before we even touch the the PPIs or, or the antacids, <laughs> just focusing on things that are going to be just really soothing and calming and nourishing for the gut first, things like aloe vera juice, slippery elm, um, bone broth, and just all those things that are just, you know, calming, nourishing, you know, also different supplements, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of like gut healing blend with L-glutamine and those kind of things can be really helpful. And just focusing on that first, because if we go straight to the, the stomach acid piece by bumping up the stomach acid that's generally not going to work so that's a bit of an initial phase and then we want to get to the phase of of very gradually looking at that stomach acid production and how we can you know increase that whether that's looking at zinc status you know taking things that will stimulate the production of digestive juices you know bitters sour food that sort of thing or you know even stomach acid supplementation depending on the person and where they're at so that would be kind of the the general Mm. approach and it is very different for everyone some people are able to get through all those steps really quickly and some people that have been dealing with this for a long time understandably it just takes time but it is worth it definitely Yeah. And behavior change is always taken up at different rates for some people. They can be kind of like, yep, cool. I've got it like really, really easy. And then for some people, behavior change can be like a really, really sticky, tricky thing. Um, And we go really well for a little time. And then, and the other thing I think to remember in that is like, we might spend 20, 30, however many years creating patterns and habits and becoming a certain way. And the reality is it's probably going to take you longer than a month of concerted effort to actually yeah. <laughs> work on changing those patterns and behaviors. I often think my brother, I don't, I don't think listen to the show so I can talk about him on here, <laughs> had a very, very, very fast paced job for, from sort of like 21 until I don't know how old he is now, maybe like 38 or something like, so very, very high pressure, fast paced, very, very short work break. So like he would eat food on the go or like inhale like a huge meal in 15 minutes and because that pattern for him at lunchtime just became so ingrained in him he started eating everything like that like if you go and sit down with him for dinner you've taken like three bites of food and his whole meal is gone and he has terrible he had reflux for ages and then has that kind of like you said silent reflux where he's coughing a lot and of course you know you can lead a horse to water right but (laughs) (laughs) and often we don't like hearing these things from our family anyway so yeah it can just be 
those really unsexy changes that create the problem. And so all the supplements in the world, yes, maybe going to help. But at the end of the day, if we're not addressing those, I think lifestyle and behavior pieces, we're really no better than the PPIs, right? Mm, (laughs) We're kind of like symptom managing as opposed to looking at, okay, what's creating it in the first place. And ultimately, like if you don't change, nothing will change. That's exactly right. And I do find with the reflux and the heart burn in particular, not so much with the silent reflux, but often people go through this phase. I do say to all my clients, I think everyone thinks that everyone else is perfect with Mm. their protocols and their food and no one ever slips up, but pretty much everyone slips up at least Mm. once. And that's okay. That's human nature. But when you have those slip ups and then, you know, someone who has been experiencing reflux, has seen a massive improvement and then they, you know, maybe have a little bit of a slip up and then they notice the reflex again, that's often a huge motivation to just continue. So sometimes it's actually, of course, it's not great, but it's that reminder that you're on the right track and this is helping you feel much better every day. And, um, you know, again with the silent reflux, you may not notice that so much, but with the, the heartburn, obviously that's so uncomfortable for people and it can really impact their quality of life yes yeah the relapse kind of feeds compliance yeah 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 Yeah, it definitely makes makes a really big difference and something I was I can't remember if I've spoken about this before but I think when we make really big changes and we can be consistent with them for say like a 30-day period even it creates a really nice clear blank canvas for any of us to kind of see what that change has done for us, whether it's like, you know, maybe there is an intolerance to dairy or there is an intolerance, like, you know, outside of say the reflux, the reflux conversation. If you're doing something all the time that makes you feel a little bit shit, it's really hard to understand what it's like if that's not there, if that makes sense. Like if you completely change those foundational pieces and stay consistent with them for a period of 30 days. And then you reintroduce that behavior that's causing the issue. It becomes abundantly clear to you the um, kind of like devastating effects that someone that that is actually having, like say someone as uncomfortable as it is, I think people get used to not feeling great. And so they put up with it. And then it's not until they kind of remove that key piece, start to feel really great, relapse, and then go, oh, wow, like I've actually realized how terrible I used to feel all the time. Do you find that a lot with your clients? Yeah, 100%. I think it's just, it's so dependent on the, the symptoms that you talk about because, you know, of course, in some cases, someone might have, for example, they have gluten and they instantly mm. feel bloated, whereas for another person, they might not have that experience, but they are, they do find out that they're sensitive to gluten. They avoid it and then their brain fog yes. goes away. They have much more energy. Their skin starts to clear up and maybe in a few cycles, their period pain starts to disappear. So all of these kind of things that are a little bit more, a, a bit less, you know, they're, they're non-specific, I suppose. And it's not like have, you know, this food and have that instant reaction. Those are the kind of things that it's like peeling the layers of the onion. Yeah. And it's a little bit more gradual to notice changes, but you know, they can obviously have a massive impact. And yeah. as you said, we we don't realize when we're doing these things all the time, how 
crap they're making us feel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's mentioned this so many times on the show, but that's like where working with a practitioner is so helpful because we're can kind of help you to identify those sorts of things. And even like what you mentioned before about when you're working with clients, there's kind of like there's layer one, there's step one where we're looking at kind of like reducing the um, the acidity and um, sort of introducing those anti-inflammatory ingredients in the diet. And then we're looking at like that next layer being introducing, you know, maybe some um, HCL or some um, different products to stimulate um, digestive acids slowly. Yeah, it's just so important that you work with a practitioner, I think, to help you do that because it can, if you doctor Google, it can honestly be a bit of a a bit of a spiral and not knowing how mm-hmm. to piece all of these steps together. And it is definitely all kind of done strategically and as much as possible and, and done in a planned format. Yes. And I will, having had this conversation I will definitely say that lots of people go and do lots of things on their own introducing HCL or stomach acid supplementation (laughs) is not one of those things that you want to do on your own so go and make the dietary changes we spoke about you know take the gut sort of supportive things the the broth and aloe vera but please don't go and introduce HCL on your own because that's that could be not not so good not so pleasant absolutely wonderful is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you wanted to cover no I think we've covered a lot of things you know in relation to this this whole piece and just that stomach acid is super important and you you don't have to put up with reflux or these other manifestations of reflux which I think many people think of as just a, a fact of life it just doesn't have to be that way yeah and ultimately like your different micronutrients, amino acids, like they're the currency that your body runs off. Every process in your body requires kind of like a payment, I suppose, in nutrients to allow it to function. And if you don't have adequate stomach acid, you quite literally cannot absorb the appropriate amounts of that currency for your body to use, which at the end of the day in a really like simplistic format just means that your body won't function as well as it should. And that's ultimately going to lead to possibly areas of it breaking down in the long term, which is obviously not what we want. (laughs) Mm. That's exactly right. And that's why having this root cause approach, as we've discussed, is so important because you can just keep going and supplementing with the vitamin D or the zinc or whatever it is. But then if it's the stomach acid that is a root cause issue for you or the chronic stress or whatever it is, then you're going to just have to keep on taking those supplements forever because you're not going to address that root cause. So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've loved this conversation today, Fran, and I'd love if you could um share with the listeners where they can find about find out more about you um and definitely get in touch with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the two best places would be my podcast, since I'm guessing you like podcasts. So I have a podcast called High Vibe and Gut Healthy, which is very focused on gut health and all this good stuff. And also on Instagram as well. And my Instagram handle is just my name, Fran Dargaville. Amazing. I'll put all of those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. 
If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.